Hello, and welcome back to a special episode of SVN On The Go. My name is Michelle Musoke. And I'm Julian Banuelos. SVN prides itself on getting to know our offices on a deeper level and exploring how SVN's managing directors, advisors, and staff exemplify the SVN difference. In this episode, we decided to switch it up by connecting with SVN's president and CEO, Kevin Majacomo, on what really makes our work cooperative, the 9.6% report. Tune in as we get down to the nitty gritty on how we encourage global cooperation with our clients, colleagues, and communities. So Kevin, first and foremost, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We know travel's ramping back up and we got Jumpstart next week. So again, thanks for taking the time to meet with us today. Julie, Michelle, uh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So we're going to dive right into the questions today. Um, it's all about the 9.6% report. So for our listeners out there who aren't familiar with what the 9.6 report is, can you please expand just a little bit on that, Kevin? Yeah, and, and uh, to, do, to do that effectively, let, let's first sort of take a step back and, and look at and talk about the industry as a whole and, and the problems which exist within it. And, and I'll start by saying that we operate in an industry, that the commercial real estate industry, which is in many respects and in a word, dysfunctional. So it's segmented, it's fragmented, where no one firm has any significant market share, and it operates with no industry standard for uniting buyers and sellers in the marketing of properties. So it's, uh, it's currently just after 3 p.m. Eastern, and for the past five hours or so, the NASDAQ has facilitated millions of trades, around 25 million trades a day is what they facilitate, actually, matching Main Street sellers with institutional buyers facilitating millions of trades at market pricing to make for uh, as close to a highly efficient marketplace as possible. It's not perfect, but it's efficient. It works. And nothing like that exists on the commercial real estate investment sales side of the business. Here's how things work there. Here's how things shake out in, in, in our industry. So there are, depending on what you read, depending on what data set you look at, around 100,000 commercial real estate brokers in, in the United States. The fragmentation of the industry on the brokerage side is, is extraordinarily remarkable, in, in my opinion, when you consider the fact that the top five firms in the U.S. account for a mere 20% of the market. So they have 20% market share. Globally, when you, when you cast a wider net, the top 10 firms collectively account for a very low 15% market share. When looking only at fee revenue derived from commercial real estate services. And that fragmentation is incredibly unique for an industry as important and for an industry as mature as commercial real estate. And the point is that those 100,000 brokers are absolutely critical players in the market. In fact, they're the most important component to making the market. And this is simply because brokers control relationships with sellers and buyers. That said, in 80 to 85% of investment commercial real estate transactions, listing brokers don't include the entire brokerage community in their marketing programs. And, and as a result, and instead of increasing demand for a property and driving the highest price, these listing brokers force buy-side brokers to overcome a number of roadblocks like signing confidentiality agreements, NDAs, buyer registration agreements, right? Or, or, or they'll simply say, the listing broker will simply say, we're not cooperating on this deal 
and we can't share the book. We can't share the, the property brochure. And in the instance where the listing broker does share information, they often refuse to share the fee, leaving absolutely no incentive for buy-side brokers to show the listing to their pool of buyers. Commission-only brokers aren't going to work on a deal where there's no fee offered. It's just human nature not to. And this type of behavior, this type of listing behavior, actually discourages competition for an asset, right? It reduces eyeballs, it creates fewer offers, and it results in a lower price than the market is other, otherwise willing to bear. It's, it's completely dysfunctional in that regard. And if you don't mind me asking, uh, why do you think this is happening? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. We're, we, we're, we're asked that a lot, right? Why, well, if, it's, if it's so obvious, if it's so broken, why does it continue to happen? Well, it, you know, it happens because that's where the incentive is. It happens because brokers make more money when they double end the deal or they procure both the buyer and the seller, even if the client doesn't receive the highest price for their property. Um, you know, it happens simply because this is the way the industry is set up and, and operates. And in the United States, roughly 80% of all investment deals are double-ended. That's what the data shows year in and year out, which sort of makes you question whose interests are being served, the clients or, or the brokers. So the reality is that sellers, uh, you know, as I said, are paying a significant price for this listing behavior. Uh, in the commercial real estate market, where there are numerous controls on supply, you look at today's market, we hear about the, the demand supply imbalance, there's just not a lot of product out there. But in, in a market where there are numerous controls on supply, regardless of where we are in an economic cycle, the only control on demand is the listing broker. And if the listing broker refuses to expose a property to the entire brokerage community, they're limiting demand. And as a result, they're limiting the potential purchase price. So brokers control relationships with buyers. And given the fragmentation of the industry that I mentioned earlier, given you know, the extraordinarily high number of first time international or unlikely buyers for a property, it stands to reason that no one broker and even no one brokerage firm, if you could hire the entire firm, could possibly identify all potential buyers for a property. It takes you know, the, the, the cooperation of the entire brokerage community to do that. Absolutely, collaboration is definitely key. Uh, you mentioned earlier, and again, just now, that brokers control relationships with clients. Can you expand upon that a bit? Yeah, and they do. And if you look at the raw data, there was a study put out by Real Capital Analytics, uh, or data set that, that we download annually, which says that an estimated 65% of all investment deals north of $2 million trade across state lines. So two out of three deals trade from one state to another. What that means is the winning bidder comes in from another state to buy the deal. And it's just impossible or best case illogical uh, to believe that a listing broker or the entire firm that that listing broker worked for can identify all of these potential cross-market buyers. It takes, again, the entire brokerage community to do that. So the more brokers exposed to the specifics of a listing, the more buyers will be reached. The more buyers reach, the more offers. And naturally, the more offers and the more organized competition that's generated for an asset, the higher the sales price. Or, you know, better said, the highest price that the market is willing to bear. And at SVN, we call this the SVN difference or collaborative prosperity. All SVN listings are proactively marketed to the entire brokerage community. 
with one half of the fee paid out to the cooperating broker, total fee sharing, 50-50, 100% of the time, and with no exceptions. So yeah, we talked about corporate collaboration being so important. Kind of back to the core of the discussion, how does the 9.6 report tie into all of this? Yeah, I, I sort of went down a rabbit hole and I digress. I tend to do that. Uh, my apologies. Well, you know, the short answer is that it's a proof point for not only the SVN difference, which we care a lot about for obvious reasons, but of broker cooperation industry-wide, of fee sharing and the benefits associated with that for the client, for the seller in general. Now, we have as a proof point the laws of fundamental economics and supply and demand and Adam Smith in our back pocket, right? But we took things a step further and we hired a group of statisticians and economists to look at the financial impact of co-opt versus double-ended transactions. And what they discovered was simply that transactions where brokers cooperate sell for more. If you look at transactions where brokers co-op on a trend on a deal, they sell for an average of up to 9.6% more per square foot compared to those brokers who don't cooperate, 9.6% more. And we talked about what the 9.6 report is. Can you tell us what actually went into this study? Yeah, the, so, so the specifics of the research were as follows. Um, they looked at 15,000 sales records from Real Capital Analytics over uh, a 10 year period of time and across 10 US states. The focus was on the four asset classes uh, and on properties which traded between two and a half and $20 million, which is sort of RCA's sweet spot, the two and a half million and up sweet spot. And, and again, what it revealed was that when different brokers represent sellers and buyers, properties sell for higher prices. And this is true on an absolute price basis and on a, on a price per square foot basis, 9.6% more. So just to put that into perspective here for you know, an $8 million sale, uh, consummated through non, a non-cooperative brokerage transaction would otherwise sell for $8.8 million through cooperation, generating an additional 9.6% more in sales proceeds. So even after paying arguably a higher fee, right, there has to be a fee on the deal high enough to motivate and incent outside brokers to want to work on the deal so that they can earn a large paycheck if they bring in a buyer who's the highest bidder. Even with all of those added costs, the net seller proceeds and boost to the seller's internal rate of return are remarkable. This is almost 10% as a delta we're talking about here. So, you know, this was a game set and match uh, moment to the debate about whether or not broker cooperation truly affects higher prices and better and better value for sellers. Awesome. Kevin, you mentioned the benefits of co-op. Can you give us a few real-life examples that illustrate this within the SVN system? Yeah, and, and, and you know, I could spend a lot of time doing this. Uh, this is truly uh, the way that we operate. The SVN difference doesn't make for good marketing. It's, it's our business model. Uh, there are a couple that, that occurred in the last 60, maybe, maybe 90 days. One's a little bit older than that. The first was a uh, a state government leased office building just outside of Chicago, right near U. Julian. The SVN advisor kicked off the listing on the heels of the owner having previously attempted to sell the property. It had some hair on the deal. It wasn't a super clean deal uh, with a good portion of the rental income coming from government tenants who had one year termination options. So not an easy sale, not sticky revenue. Uh, aggressively marketed to outside brokers and direct to buyers who had government 
experience, experiments work, experience working with government tenants, yielded 14 offers, 14 offers from multiple brokerages. And the result was that an outside broker brought in a buyer who paid $2 million for the property. Not an extraordinarily high price, but what's impressive and remarkable about this deal is that the buyer paid a million dollars more than the seller's previous attempts to sell the property, the previously failed attempts to sell the property. Uh, another example is with a retail asset in, in, on the West Coast in Washington State. The seller was originally contacted by a national firm's office in Seattle who said, you know, we have buyers ready to go. We have buyers lined up. There's no product out there. We pitched the listing. Uh, we pitched the listing with a focus on everything that we're talking about here, the power of broker cooperation, and we won the deal. Broad-based broker-focused marketing as a campaign was implemented, and it caused the deal to go under contract in a week. The buyer came in through an outside broker working for a competitor or a peer who earned half the fee. And the asset sold for $600,000 above the original broker's suggested list price. It wasn't 9.6% more. In that case, it was 16% more. So broker cooperation works. It's, it's just simply what's in the seller's best interests. Absolutely. It definitely is. Actually, working within the seller's best interests is woven into our second core covenant. Um, so it's great to see how the 9.6 report actually strengthens that. Um, right. A term we've heard you recently use is collective strength. Can you tell us what that means? Yeah. So, you know, the company was founded in 1987. And, and if, if we had this conversation then, uh, I, I would have been, I, th I think, a junior in high school. But Mark Van Ness would have said the same thing that I'm about to say. And that is that for years, the commercial real estate industry has been divided. Uh, some brokerage firms choose to operate independently with little to no brokerage cooperation, little to no fee, sh fee sharing, a focus on finding buyers themselves, while others believe that some kind of collaboration can improve the end result. And in my opinion, in an environment where automation, uh, AI, data ubiquity are having profound commercial real estate services industry changing effects on our roles and where the disintermediation conversation, the disintermediation of the commercial real estate broker is a frequent topic of conversation, industry-wide cooperation will soon become not only the norm, but a table stake to compete in the game. And I think that if we are to grow, if we are to innovate, if we're to flourish as an, as an industry of, of brokers and play into this future, we need to come together. We're clearly stronger together than we are alone for the benefit of sellers. Look at the power and the impact of a, a broad broker-focused marketing campaign where brokers come together to achieve a higher price for the client based on those two deal stories that I just shared with you. Um, benefit to sellers, benefit to clients, and, and it's good for the brokerage community as a whole. So that's what we mean by collective strength. And at SVN, we see our unique business model as harnessing the power of what we call collaborative prosperity. And it's just one of the many ways that we create amazing value with our clients, colleagues, and communities. Yeah, and that's excellent. And, and before we get going today, Kevin, we we really wanted to say thank you for dissecting the 9.6 report, but really reiterating what co-oping is all about in the commercial real estate industry, not only with that, but within our company and how important that is to the SVN brand. So 
thanks again for taking the time and yeah, just sharing all of that information with us. And I know I'm excited to spend a little bit of time with you next week in Pittsburgh. So am I. Again. <laughs> thanks, Michelle. Awesome. Julian. Have a Absolutely. great day. Thank you, Kevin.